Thank you for joining me for Exodus chapter 2. A man of the house of Levi went and took a daughter of Levi as his wife. The woman conceived and bore a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. When she could no longer hide him, she took a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and with pitch. She put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the riverbank. His sister stood far off to see what would be done to him. Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe at the river. Her maidens walked along by the riverside. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her handmaid to get it. She opened it and saw the child, and behold, the baby cried. She had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Should I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. The maiden went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. The woman took the child and nursed it. The child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. It happened in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brothers and looked at their burdens. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his brothers. He looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He went out the second day, and behold, two men of the Hebrews were fighting with each other. He said to them, He said to him who did the wrong, Why did you strike your fellow? And he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you plan to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Moses was afraid and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and lived in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to Ruel, their father, he said, How is it that you have returned so early today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hands of the shepherds, and moreover he drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Where is he? Why is it that did you have left this man? Call him, and he may eat bread. Moses was content to dwell with the man. He gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. She bore a son, and he named him Gershom, for he said, I have become a sojourner in a foreign land. It happened in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed because of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up to God because of their bondage. God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the children of Israel and was concerned about them. In um, the start of this chapter, it says that he was a, Moses was you know, put into the basket, and, and he was a fine child. <laughs> his mother, because you know, all of the 
the mothers, you know, they were they were losing their children, but for some reason Moses's mother, Jochebed, she had courage to resist. And it says later on in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 20, that when she saw he was no ordinary child, you know, that, that she didn't fear the king. The book of Hebrews says that she did not fear the king and that he was an unusual child. There was something about Moses which made his mother realise she had to resist the king. And she was resisting her life. She was, um, uh, you know, reaching, risking her life, of course, to do this. And um, so here we have an example of a woman that fears God and doesn't fear the king. Now, we're actually told in the Bible to fear the king. Proverbs 24, 21 says, fear God and fear the king. But there's actually a time to fear God and not fear the king. And that's when, if the king is not doing what God says, in that particular area, you don't do what they say. And um, in 1 Peter 2, verse 17, it says, fear God and honor the king. So in the New Testament, we do have this example where we do what God says, but we still have honor towards our earthly leaders. So even though we may have, let's say, for example, a politician in Australia that's in our area or whatever, we may not agree with everything that they say. And if they tell us to do something wrong, we would not do that. But all the while, we would still honor them as the scripture commands. Now, it says here in uh, verse 23 that they cried out to God because of their bondage. So that's really interesting because that's a prayer. It's a type of prayer. You don't often think of it as, as like a prayer, but they cried out to God in their bondage. And um, in the very next chapter, we see that Moses is called the story of the burning bush. We'll talk about that in the next video. But before they cry out to God in their bondage, this event has already happened where Moses has been sent as a baby into the, the king's house and been raised as an Egyptian. So we've got a situation here where God knows they're going to pray and he's actually already working to answer their prayer before they prayed it. And that's uh, something the Bible tells us later on in the book of Isaiah. It says, before you cry out, I will hear your prayer. And that's what God's doing right now. Before the Israelites had cried out, God had begun to work. He knew the future. He knew what was going to happen. And he had organized for Moses to be put into Pharaoh's house, to be trained and educated, taught how to think like an Egyptian, to learn all the things he needed to know. It's really, really quite amazing. He, he was educated in an Egyptian way. And um, Josephus tells us he wasn't only educated in Egyptian, but he was educated in Assyrian, and presumably he could speak Hebrew as well. So he was multilingual in many, many languages. There really was no one better to write the first five books of the Bible than Moses, highly educated as an Egyptian. He's, he's on hand to experience all the events of the Exodus. He had his family history to inform him of the patriarchs. He was in a prime position. Anyway, the princess that comes down to the river is a woman called Bithia. And we get, get this from Josephus. Bithia is mentioned later in the book of Exodus. She actually leaves Egypt with Moses. She married, marries a, a man from the tribe of Judah called Mered. She must have been quite old by the time they left. But Bithia, at this point that she pulls Moses out of the river, would have been quite young. She might even have been a teenager. And um, Bithia is a Hebrew name, it's not an Egyptian name. 
and her Egyptian name, according to McLaren's expository Bible commentary, was Mary. So that's her Egyptian name. But she's given this Hebrew name, Bithia, which means the daughter of Yahweh, or the daughter of God. And uh, I even named my daughter Bithia. Uh, I think it's a great name, daughter of God. And um, so here we have an example of God using an, one of his enemies for his purposes. You know, Bithia is an Egyptian. Egyptians are God's enemies. And here God's taking an enemy and using her for his purpose. And in fact, God does more than that. He turns this enemy into one of his friends. So Bithia, who's Moses's, um, effectively Moses' mother, becomes one of God's people. She gets her own name, a Hebrew name. When they leave Egypt, you know, 80 years later, she goes with them and she goes into the desert. So she's turned from an enemy of God into a friend of God and God's really, really good at doing that. Just think about it, all of us were God's enemies. We were sinners and Christ died for us. He gave us the, the, the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile us to Christ. And so he loved his enemies and now we're his friends. And it's no wonder God tells us to love our enemies because we're supposed to love them so as to turn them into our friends, even though some of them won't turn into our friends, but that's the love of God that's for us and it's supposed to be the love of God through us to others. And of course, Moses as a little boy being pulled out of the river, it's a picture of baptism. Because just, you know, he, Jesus was baptized and I've, he, people often wonder, why did Jesus have to be baptized? He was perfect. Well, it's, it's a symbol of your life being dedicated to Christ and coming up out of the water and serving God. And here we've got Moses coming up out of the water, life dedicated to serve God. And so you too, um, is your life dedicated to serving God? Have you been baptized? These are all very, very good things to consider. So, and then of course, Moses observes the killing, you know, a Hebrew and an Egyptian, and he kills the Egyptian, and then he has to flee for his life at the end of this chapter. And we've got something very, very interesting that happens right here. We've got this gap in Moses's life from now until the burning bush. And he marries this, this woman who's a Midianite. But what we don't know is all the other things that have happened in Moses's life. And a few of them are recorded in Josephus's Antiquities, which I've read. And um, Josephus, apparently, while he was still in Egypt, he was at one point the general of one of Pharaoh's armies. And he actually went to uh, Ethiopia as part of one of the military campaigns. He conquered the king there. Uh, or he defeated, uh, I think it was King Nicanos or Kikanos in Ethiopia, and he took this Ethiopian princess to be his wife. So Moses actually married an Ethiopian woman by the name of, I think it's Adonia, trying to remember because I didn't write it down. So he marries this Egyptian woman and then uh, one of the um, opinions that's in, uh, you know, there's like some traditions and things that are written down by Jewish people. One of the traditions has it that Moses didn't flee from Egypt when he was 40, but he fled in his 20s and didn't go straight to Midian where he married Zipporah, but he went to Egypt and spent some time there with his wife. Um, but of course, the Bible doesn't really say all that detail. It just says that he went to Midian where he met Jethro, who had seven daughters, and he married Zipporah. 
and he married her and he had these two sons, Gershom and the second son, I've forgotten his name. And interestingly, later on in the book of Numbers, chapter 12, Miriam is like complaining about Moses and it says she complained about his Ethiopian wife. And if you know your Bible, at that point you read that and say, what? Moses didn't marry an Ethiopian, he married a Midianite woman, Zipporah. That's the one we know about. But no, if you know this little bit of extra history, he did marry an Ethiopian. He actually married twice. He married the Ethiopian princess and um, she actually wanted Moses to go to Ethiopia and become the king and she wanted Moses to worship her Ethiopian gods, but Moses would not because he knew the true God. So in the end, the Ethiopian woman uh, took a different person to be her husband and he became the king of Ethiopia. And Moses ended up in Midian and got married a second time to Zipporah, which is where this chapter finishes. So at this point you're thinking, boy, Moses has had a mixed up and a complicated life. And there are people who by the age of 40 or 50, they've had a mixed up complicated life with marriages here and marriages there and failures. You might've even killed someone. There's people in prison who've messed their life up. They've killed someone. Well, look at Moses. He's, he's had marriage issues. He's had murder on his hands. He's had to flee for his life. But at the same time as that, he's highly educated. He's been raised in an Egyptian family. Um, anyway, the Lord, the Lord allowed Moses to go through all of this because he was preparing him for something. And on one hand, while he was raised with such opportunity, on the other hand, he was so humbled by his failures. And that's something that the Lord needed. He needed that humility. So we're going to just finish today by asking you the question, Moses, you know, he served the Lord with his whole entire life. Um, He came up out of those waters of baptism as a little baby with his life dedicated to serving God. And he did make mistakes, but the purpose of his life was to serve God. And my question to you is, what's the purpose of your life? Is it to serve yourself? Is it to do what you want? Or are you called to serve God? Well, the answer is you are called to serve God. But are you going to? something you need to decide. Lord, I ask that you'd put the Holy Spirit right now upon my listeners. Put your hand upon them and help them to answer the question, are they going to serve God with their life? And I pray, Lord, that as we look at the the mess that Moses made of his life, just at this point of Exodus chapter 2, and as they contemplate their lives this morning and the messes that are there, Lord, help them to realize that they can still serve you even with a mess. So, Father, let grace be extended to us today. Help us to serve you with our whole heart. Let your spirit be upon us. Guide us in grace, we pray in Jesus' name.